A few more notes before we get into the show. Would really appreciate a rate and review five stars. Even if you don't want to write a review, you know, you don't want to hit type words, that's fine. Scroll down, just hit five stars while you're listening to this podcast. Goes a long way in helping me keep it free. Additionally, drafters.com. You will hear me mention drafters.com a bunch. I'm beginning to love this platform. I've been doing a ton of NFL best balls and a ton of PGA contests on their app. It's very smooth. Love it. Reminds me of a former app that was bought out and no longer exists that I really used to love. But anyway, if you want to play in these PGA tier contests or this NFL best ball championship that they have going on over there, the best way to do it to start out is to use the promo code PAT at deposit and you will get 50% added to your first initial deposit. So if you deposit $100, they're going to give you 100 and 50 to play with. Can't beat that. All right, now let's get into the show. You are listening to The Riding NFL DFS Podcast with Pat James. All right, all right, all right. The Riding DFS and Betting Podcast. Keeps chugging along. Hope everybody enjoyed their 4th of July celebrations. If you had one, if you remained inside and quarantine and social distance, that's cool too. Um, if you're in the Scott Fishbowl, I know there's about almost 1,500 people in the Scott Fishbowl. I figure there's some people listening to this that are in the, the SFBX Good luck. Um, As I record this, I have three picks in. It's very early Tuesday morning right now, about 6.30 a.m. Tuesday morning, uh, July 7th. I have gone Travis Kelsey, Kenyon Drake, Zach Ertz so far. And, you know, this is obviously an aside on a PGA DFS podcast, but last year I saw how important tight end scoring is in that basically two-point-per-reception league for tight ends. So I'm off to a hot start with tight ends. Okay, back on track here. PGA, the Travelers. Bryson is an animal. Um, If you listened to the podcast last week, I kind of knew, you know, everybody kind of knew, to be honest, he was like 50% owned in all these contests, that he was just far and away the class of the field, um, he's been so close, you know, top 10, basically top eight, the last six events, it, this was coming. Uh, so here's how my week shook out on DraftKings. I had a ton of them. Um, and if you, I, if you listened to the show last week, uh, we, we, we got the top, right. Um, Bryson Hovland, Webb, Hideki, Hatton, um, basically the way we ranked them out is was almost the order of finish, so um, we were good at the top. Even adding in Ricky, uh, I think, was pretty smart. He had a pretty good day. And then there were some guys down the bottom that we were decently fond of. Scott Stallings, Doc Redman. Um, Redman was kind of high on, though, so his finish really didn't equate to his ownership. Um, but the issue was, and, and this, this was frustrating... When I, you know, I nailed the top range, um, but I just did, I whiffed pretty hard on 
guys under like 7.5k. Um, I was on Cam Davis, Cam per- Cam Percy. They they popped in the model. They just didn't get it done. Percy should have friggin' made the cut. He bogeyed like four of his last seven holes to drop under the cut line. On Friday, that was kind of tilting. I had a lot of him. Russell Knox um, popped in the model. Didn't do much either. So, I mean, Varner and Stallings were really the only guys under 8K that I had that um, that did much. Didn't have any Matthew Wolf. Didn't have much Kevin Kisner. Um, even Adam Hadwin, who I always usually play and have a piece of didn't have much of him either. So DK wasn't great. Um, didn't get pantsed, but uh, definitely a losing week on DraftKings. On drafters, still loving this tiers format. I was in first place for pretty much three days. Uh, and then I fell out of first place. Um, and that's just how golf works. You, you know, you really, you really can't even get excited until coming down the home stretch. In fact, in the Millionaire Maker this week, the last putt of the entire tournament was Ryan Armour's safe par on 18, I believe. He missed it. It was like a three and a half footer. Sent the guy from a million dollars down to like $80,000. And you just you literally until the last putt drops, you cannot count your money because of, you know, the placement points. And things like that. So, um, love golf, love the sweat all weekend. But you really, you could be in first all weekend and and then lose almost a million dollars, um, like someone did this week. Um, as for bets, man. So my card did not change from what I stated on Tuesday of last week. Like uh, sometimes I'll update my card on Twitter if I add a guy or change a guy, um, but it did not change from Tuesday. Um, if you listened, man, I hope you tailed me on the first round leader. Got two of the three. Scott Stallings, Doc Redman come first round leader. They tie along with Kevin Kisner. Um, I was hoping Stallings got the lone first round leader. That would have been huge. Um, the way it works, if you, if there's a dead heat, you divide the winning ticket by how many leaders there are. So my Scott Stallings, um, I believe he was 80 to 1. So that got cut to, you know, about 28 to 1. And then my Doc Redmond, 50 to 1, got cut to about 16 and a half to 1. Um, but still, I mean, covered the week on betting, DraftKings, etc. Two or three fold. So I was pumped about that. And then I, I did not hit any outrights until Sunday. Bryson was plus 200, and I woke up to the old email that DraftKings was going to give me a 30% profit boost. If you're in a DraftKings eligible state or in any state where there's a sports book that offers these profit boosts, they're huge. Um, over the weekend, I, I received a 100% profit boost, which means if you bet a guy or bet on anything, you get double the odds. Um, unfortunately, the, the one I used on Bryson was a 30% odds boost, which took him from plus 200 to plus 260. Um, put that in just as Bryson was about to tee off. Um, you know, I just sunk sunk like a third of the first round leader winnings back into Bryson. Um, Wolf was just putting the lights out. Uh, he was sinking 30 footers and, you know, he's been fairly inconsistent round over round in within tournaments. So I just had a feeling that he was not going to hold steady 
Um, and Bry- I mean, it's just hilarious the way Bryson's playing right now. Obviously, he's smashing the ball, but in in the first four holes, he didn't hit a fairway. He was under trees in opposite fairways, and he still was three under because he's pounding it so far down the fairway that even though he's in the opposite fairway or under a tree, he still only has like a 60 or 70-yard pitch to get onto the green. Pretty crazy. Um, all right. Let's take a look at the Merrifield Village. Now, we're going to have two events in a row here. Usually, the Memorial is played here, but uh, this is going to replace the John Deere, the Workday Charity Open. So, from everything I can gather, I read some Golf Digest articles. I read some of the, you know, the grounds crew have been doing different things at, at Merrifield to make it a little bit different this week than it will be next week, and that had, it has traditionally been for the memorial. Um, so here's the, here's the deal about Mirfield Village Golf Course. Um, it's 7,400 yards about to par 72, four par fives, Nicholas design. Um, it's, it usually plays, you know, fairly tough, like between 10 and 15 under. Um, it has traditionally had um, easy to hit fairways. If you look, if you pull up um, these strokes gained, off the tee for Mirfield Village, it's it's usually a bit suppressed compared to other courses' approach. This is really a second shot course. Uh, the greens are a little bit smaller. The fairways and the shot into the green gets a little bit narrower as you get there. It's a it's kind of tricky around the green. Nicholas made the around the green game a little tricky, so you know scrambling is a little bit more important as well. A lot of the greens are protected by bunkers and water. And uh, one of the things that I read, is the way that they're going to try to make this course a little bit different this week as compared to next week, the rough is going to be a little bit shorter this week. And I also heard and saw that they were changing the tee boxes a little bit and they moved bunkers a little bit tighter to the fairway. So off the tee actually might be a little bit harder this week than next week. Um According to to you know some of the articles I read about what they're they're trying to do, um, so obviously when you have two events in a row, you don't want to play the same golf course on the tour two weeks in a row. So they are trying to make some changes there. The greens are going to be a tad easier. Um, I read the the superintendent said that they are going to almost leave the greens this week for the workday about what they are for the members of, of Merrifield. So they're going to run about an 11, 11 and a half on the stem, which is about where they have it for member play. Next week, it'll probably get up to about 13 and a half. All right, let's get into the juice. Let's get into the DraftKings salaries and the players that stick out. Based on the model I created, here is what was put into the model at fantasynationals.com based on Previous results at Merrifield with a little bit of tweaking based on what I've heard is going to be different around the golf course. Obviously, second shot course, stroke gain approach is huge. I did add in there, which is a little bit overlapping, opportunities gained once again. That is, you know, that just takes into that takes into account proximity a little bit, right? So, because um, obviously a green in regulation where the ball hits the front lip of the green and comes to rest, uh, yet the pin is 50 feet uh, further in the back of the green, that's a little bit different than, uh, you know, stuffing it within 10 feet. And we don't want to count those the same way. So opportunities gained 
obviously waited a little bit as well as Eagles gained because of the four par fives at this course. One third of the holes at this course are played from 450 to 500 yards, weighted that a little bit, as well as um, the proximities uh, that, you know, there was two lengths, 150 to 175 and 175 to 200 uh, that were the vast majority of the approach shots. So I looked at those as well. Those aren't weighted a ton though. Um, as well as recent form um, and a little bit of course history. But for the most part, uh, we're looking at strokes gained, approach opportunities gained, and then we're adding in a sprinkle of that par five scoring, par four, uh, 450 to 500, as well as some of the proximities. Um, I did put a little bit of putting on, on this model uh, for bent grass, but oftentimes putting is not something that pops here at Merrifield. So how I'm going to do it is I'm just going to go through some of my favorite plays regardless of salary and then I'm going to go through the salary tiers and highlight some guys that you know I'm probably going to have to play just based on the fact that I'm going to need guys from that price range but they aren't necessarily my favorite so obviously number one Victor Hovland been saying it for four weeks now a win is coming for him he's 9,500 I don't mind starting uh, my teams with him it gets you very unique right because that means you're fading guys like Justin Thomas John Rahm Hideki Matsuyama, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantley, Brooks Kepka. Um, fading all six of those guys in a lineup is probably not the best move, but starting with Hovland, if he wins, you're going to need him. But I definitely think it's possible for you to play one of those 10K guys and Hovland. I mean, his stats are just absolutely lights out. Uh, third in approach, first in opportunities gained, first in Eagles gained. Um, he pops from those proximities and that par four distance. It literally, if you covered the names here, you would think Hovland is a runaway candidate, based on the stats at least, to be the winner of this tournament. Um, it's just the putter. And I saw it, we saw it this week at the Travelers. He missed a few easy putts, um, but still finished pretty high when that putter clicks. That's absolutely going to be when he wins, and I think it's coming soon. Joaquin Neiman's been in great form. He's up there <clears throat> in all stats pretty much as well, um, but the putting. So we're bet I'm betting on Hovland and Neiman this week to you know, catch a, ha a hot flat stick. Justin Rose typically um, uh, plays really well at Merrifield Village. He is in decent form. He scores well on... Par fives, he's pretty solid from the required proximity ranges. So Justin Rose will be someone that I have uh, a good chunk of on DraftKings as well. And then when we talk about, let's talk about the guys above um, 10K because I also like Colin Morikawa in that 9K range. So basically, Mirfield in the past, it's kind of like uh, the 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 best players in the world really kind of rise to the top of the leaderboard here because of the difficulty um, of the course. So here's how I am going to rate out the the top of the field. Um, I think John Rahm is my favorite, to be honest. I think he's going to carry one of the lowest ownerships of this above 10K range. So I, I think, and to be honest, He's not my favorite golfer. He is someone who 
can get erratic, can get in his own head, etc. You know, kind of gets angry on the course. Hasn't typically played Merrifield Village too well. Um, and I think the reason that I am on him here um, is simply because of the par 5 scoring. He is a really good par 5 scoring player. He is someone who gains a ton of eagles on the field, and he is number one in par fours from 450 to 500 yards, which there are six of on this course, and there aren't more than two holes of any other um, of the same length on the course. So I think if he can take advantage of the par fives, gain some eagles on the field, and that, that par four range that he is a big fan of, then I think Rom is in for a, a solid finish. Uh, besides from him, I, I really like Xander Schauffele. And here's the tough part. You know, Justin Thomas and Patrick Cantlay are, you know, dominating this 10K and above range in strokes gained approach. So it's going to be tough to not have a, a smattering of them as well. But if I had to rank these guys over 10K, I would say Rom and Xander, um, then Justin Thomas, Patrick Cantley, Brooks, and then finally bringing up with Hideki. I just can't. I, I mean, if you watch Hideki, his putter got hot um, towards the end of the weekend, but he just he just does not look comfortable over putts for the most part. So I just I'm I'm off him. I just I just don't like to roster Hideki no matter how first class of a player he is with his irons. Um, but he does rate out well here. He definitely rates out well here. Um, he comes in sixth in, in the model that I created, but you know, you have to take a stand somewhere. Mine's going to be with rostering Rom and, and Xander in this price range more so than, than any of the other top 10 K guys. I'll probably have a smattering of Thomas and, and Cantley as well. So now let's go down through the guys under 10K, I already said I love Rose, Hovland, and Morikawa. I'm probably going to have more of them than any of the 10K guys. Um, just because I think it allows you to create a, a bit more balanced lineups. And I think that is going to be the key this week. I don't think we're going to see a ton of guys who are, you know, in this low seven and six K range really pop. So I actually don't think we're going to see um, a stars and scrubs lineup approach this week. Like we have in the past couple tournaments, I think you're going to need to get, you know, some of these class players that are, that are down in the high seven, low eight range in your lineup. And that's going to require having a little bit less of the 10 K guys and a little bit more than nine K guys. And I could be completely off, you know, the leaderboard could come Rom, Thomas, Kepka. And I wouldn't be surprised at that, but I think it's going to be tough to field competitive lineups with multiple 10K guys. Let's just put it that way. All right, so Hovland's definitely going to be my highest own under Hovland. Um, I'm probably going to be off Ricky this week, despite the fact that he does play well here at Merrifield. Um, Sungjae, uh, you know, I like Sungjae. Um, I think that he is in for a pretty solid career, but at this point, I just don't think he is in the best form. I do like Patrick Reed at 8,800. I think he can always get the hot putter. Um, he's a class player, and this is the kind of guys that I like to take, right? He's 8,800, Patrick Reed. Now, 
if you were to put Patrick Reed at this moment in time heads up against any of the players that are priced above him, it's not unfathomable that he, you know, beats them heads up this week in finishing position. So I think Patrick Reed at 8,800, maybe he's going to be heavily owned, but I think he is someone that I'm definitely interested in. Same thing with Mark Leishman. Spieth is a conundrum. Here's the thing with Spieth. Right now he is like playing terrible, right? Approach is terrible. Off the tee is terrible. Um, Eagles gain, opportunities gain, everything is pretty much terrible. He doesn't rate out well over his last 50 rounds in the um, required proximity distances. But the putter's been hot, uh, like it always has, and he has technically um, done fairly well at uh, at Merrifield. And, you know, if off the tee game is going to be a little bit stifled, you know, the importance of that, maybe Spieth, Pops a little bit here, but I just can't get behind him at 8,600. I don't know what's going on with the dog. Maybe FedEx is here dropping off my Omaha stakes. That would be clutch. Um, and, and then as we keep going down here, like I said, love Joaquin Neiman. And because of that, you know, I, you can't just you can't just play everybody in, in these ranges. So the fact that I like Joaquin Neiman and Morikawa and Hovland and Justin Rose in that you know, eight to middle nine K range. I'm just not going to be able to play some of these guys that I also like, like Leishman, um, really like Mark Leishman, but I'm probably going to have a little bit less than him that I would like. Same thing with Kucher. He plays really well here at the Merrifield village. Um, loves this course rates out. Not well, um, statistically aside from his course history, unfortunately. Um, so I'm probably not going to have much of Cooch. I do like Adam Hadwin at 8,200. He rates out 13th in the statistical model. Um, fading Matthew Wolf off that terrible Sunday. Um, no thanks on Bubba and Matthew Fitzpatrick either. So under 8K, things get a little interesting. Um, I'm not a huge proponent of many of the guys in the upper 7Ks, maybe Streelman. Only because he is a par five scorer, he actually rates out first in par five scoring and is pretty up there in Eagles gain over his last fifty rounds. Otherwise, and he has played fairly well at Merrifield. Um, I don't know if you guys saw me tweet this out two weeks ago when he almost took down the Travelers, and that reminds me, I think I said that I was recapping the Travelers earlier in the show when it's actually. The Rocket Mortgage that I was recapping. Um, but anyway, two weeks ago at the Travelers, Streelman almost takes it down. And my one buddy said that he wanted to bet him. And I told him that he had to quit betting Streelman because he was a bum. And then here he is coming down the stretch, almost won the dang thing. Um, so uh, foot and mouth there. He did end up actually betting him and, and was able to hedge out, which I was, I'm glad that I didn't sway him in the wrong direction there. Um, Joel Dahman, I, I like in that top in that 77k range and Corey Connors and Jason Kokrak as well um I'm off Brant Snedeker off Jason Day no thanks Phil even though he's probably going to have a sweet work day button down on during one of these during one of his rounds no thanks there Harold Varner I'm not going to be I can't quit Harold Varner he is just playing so well his approach is so dialed in He's going to get the putter going eventually and, and be right up there. 
I like Maverick McNeely. Um, he for some reason he doesn't rate out well in this model, but I don't care. Um, he is uh, an eagle and par five player, and he has been playing pretty well as of recently. So I think I'm gonna have a little bit of McNeely. As we keep going down here, other guys that pop, Russell Henley. He's probably my favorite player under 8K again. So Russell Henley for sure. Um, I'm probably going to go back to Scott Stallings. Emiliano Grillo rates out well. He is, you know, just a great iron player. And that's kind of what you need here. You need to be dialed in with the irons. He rates out well from the required proximities. He's fourth in approach. Um, opportunities gain, he pops. So Grillo, definitely going to be... In my DraftKings player pool, probably on my betting card as a first-round leader or a top 10 or 20, potentially. And then as we keep going lower and lower, um, what tends to happen is guys don't necessarily rate out high in the model because they aren't statistically strong in multiple categories. So what I like to do is I like to sort by each statistical category and hope they can catch some fire um, <clears throat> within just one strength of theirs, like gaining eagles or like par four scoring from that desired range. Um, so let's take a look. The best par four scorers from 450 to 500. Are there are there anybody that is there anybody that pops for us there? Carlos Ortiz is fifth in par four scoring from that desired range. Um, so is Scott Stallings, he rates out pretty well, and so does Mark Hubbard and Bud Cauley. Um, how about Eagles game? Because there is four par fives here, you're going to need to you know make birdies on those par fives. So let's see who is gaining Eagles on the field or has uh, is popping in opportunities gained, par five scoring type stuff. Eagles gained, you know, the guys that we normally like, Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, um, Cam Davis. And I was on him last week for this same reason, four par fives. He did he did decently. Um, he is up there in dropping those Eagles. So is John Rahm. That's t potentially why I think he is the best of these plus uh, 10K plays. In par five scoring, obviously we already mentioned Streelman, um, but from that lower range, you know, Poulter kind of keeps popping. I'm not sure I'm going to be on him. I don't necessarily love Ian Poulter. Um, basically where his game is at right now is decent, um, but this is actually going to be the first time that he is playing uh, at Mirrorfield. Uh, you know, maybe I'm going to add a little bit of Ian Poulter now that I look here. You know, really the only place that he is struggling statistically is off the tee. Mirfield is supposed to mute that a little bit. So maybe um, I will look at Ian Poulter. How about the the prescribed um, proximities? Does anybody jump off the page? Uh, Tom Hoagie looks pretty good from, from that range. I'll tell you who pops off in every, everything I click is Victor Hovland, which is why I'm all over him this week. Literally every category he is somewhere near the top five or ten. Um, Adam Hadwin does pop there. Uh, Charlie Hoffman looks like he is going to rate out pretty highly for me this week in that 6K range. Um, let's sort by 6K here and see who my favorite or who I think deserves a look in this below 7K range. I think we talked about enough 7K players.
Sebastian Munoz pops again. Um, Richie Warinsky pops here, as does Duff, man. Duffner, former winner here at, well, not at the workday, but winner at Mirfield in the Memorial. He has great form, um, great course history, I should say, here at the Memorial, and is pretty uh, high up there in Eagles gain. He's just, you know, the putter always fails Duff. And, you know, T and putter are... are are two things that, like I've mentioned, have been not as important at at Mirfield. So I could see Duffner popping. Um, J.B. Holmes rates out pretty well. He's coming off a couple surgeries, though. I don't know about him. Matthew Neesmith, guy we've been on a little bit. Uh, looks like he pops a bit here as well. Nick Taylor. Hmm, that's interesting. Nick Taylor pops as well in this statistical model. And that's uh, Hendrick, Hendrick Norlander and Chesson Hadley. Henrik Norlander and Chesson Hadley, two more guys in that 6K range to keep an eye on. <laughs> My man, Cam Percy, just mentioned that he bogeyed like the last four holes on Sunday to, or on Friday to miss the cut. And man, top 25 in approach. Top 20 in opportunities gained, top 10 in Eagles gained, and he is decent from the desired proximity distances. I'm probably going to have to go back to Cam Percy this week. All right, that will do it for the DraftKings overview. I Hopefully I highlighted enough players that pop in this model that you can create some type of player pool. Let me give you my favorite guy, from each price range, though, just because I know people like the picks. They like the picks. They don't want you to walk through and tell you the strengths and weaknesses of every player. They want the exact picks. So, from the above 10K range, John Rahm will probably be my most heavily owned. Victor Hovland in the 9K range, although I really do like Justin Rose. In the 8K range, I... I think I like Joaquin Neiman the best. Hopefully he's not too heavily owned. And also Patrick Reed, just for pure class of the of the field, basically, in that 8K range as well. And then I'm going to go back to Adam Hadwin uh, a little bit more than I had last week. I think he's in, you know, he's in good form. Um, he is playing, striking his irons well, and also really pops from the, you know, the right distances this week. In the 7K range. Joel Dahman, Kevin Streelman, Corey Connors um, are probably my favorite from that upper 7K range. Uh, Russell Henley, my, probably my favorite 7K guy overall, uh, as well as I'll have some Scott Stallings and Emiliano Grillo. 6K range. Charlie Hoffman uh, looks like someone who rates out statistically well. Matthew Neesmith, uh, Sebastian Minos. Nick Taylor, Chesson Hadley, Henrik Norlander, Cam Davis, Cam Percy, and that is about it from the, the 6K range. Okay, on to the betting card. This week I don't think um, is a week to take a lot of, of scrubs uh, on your betting card. I know a lot of people advocated last week since the field was really weak to, you know, kind of go after those 
long shots, which is fine. This week, I think we're going to see, and we've seen guys, like freaking Dirt McGirt, Jason Duffner, we've seen guys that aren't necessarily the class of the field win here, but I think with the amount of talent that is here this week, it's going to be somebody from that, you know, top 30 uh, world golf ranking that that basically brings it home on Sunday. So I am going to have a more top-heavy card with fewer golfers rather than just taking a million shots at long shots. Like I said, Victor Hovland, Justin Rose, two of my favorites. In, their numbers are okay. Right now, I bet them at, I bet Hovland at 24 to 1 and Rose at 26 to 1. Um, I also like uh, Joaquin Neiman. He is creeping up in odds, so I would get on him as soon as possible. I got him at 50, but I did see he was up to like 45 in some places, maybe even higher uh, once you're listening to this. From there, uh, it's going to be tough for me to pick or to narrow down because I like like a bunch of these other guys the same. But I do like Patrick Reed at 33-1. to 1. I'll probably add him. I haven't yet. Um, I feel very uneasy not having any of these like top 10 uh, golfer in the world type guys like Rom, Thomas, um, Cantlay, Kepka. But I am just, you know, the numbers just aren't there. Um, the numbers were are, are actually pretty terrible this week. I think a lot of people have been hitting outright. You know, a lot of people were on Berger. A lot of people were on Webb. A lot of people are obviously on Bryson this week. So I think maybe the books are, you know, shorting a lot of these favorites. Um, so I'm going to dip down uh, a little bit below. I do like Xander, but the numbers are just not good enough. So, so far, Hovland, Rose, Neiman. I am going to take a shot on Russell Henley. His numbers just uh, look too good, and he's at, I found him at 125 to 1. That number was just too nice to pass up. Um, also, Patrick Reed. I may add one other person from from this range. Might add like a, maybe like a Hadwin or um, one of those second-tier players. Maybe a Hadwin or... Potentially uh, Morikawa. Yeah, probably Morikawa if I do add someone else. Okay, first round leader, as you know, I like to dip a little bit lower in the first round leader, right? It's not really profitable to be betting guys like John Rahm and Justin Thomas for first round leader. So a lot of those 7K guys that I think have a really legit shot to pop in in one round um, will be the guys that I take first round leader. And they are guys like Joel Dahman, Russell Henley. Emiliano Grio, Kevin Streelman, Scott Stallings was the one I couldn't think of. Um, those guys will be on my first-round leader card. Probably Harold Varner. I like to bet a little bit less on first-round leader, but take guys that have pretty long odds. Um, yeah, that's about, that'll be about my first-round leader card at this point. It's all my favorite players on DraftKings that are below 800, basically, because I think they have... A good shot at a hot round and making it to the weekend. Um, there are some other interesting top 20s that I am considering. I mentioned I like Maverick McNeely. I think he has probably about a... I think he's going to really push for a top 20 this week. So I like his odds there. Um, as well as even like Jason Day. I know I said that I'm not necessarily considering him um, for DK, 
which now I'm reconsidering that because I, I have written down here that I like his odds for a top 20. And at 7,700, if you're going to get a guy at 7,700 that's going to finish top 20, that's probably someone you should have in your DraftKings lineup. Uh, Sebastian Munoz, I think, has a really nice shot, a really nice line at his top 20. Do I think it's it's probable? No. Do I think that the line is off? Yes. Um, and he's 225 to 1 to win the damn thing. So obviously his top 20 odds are going to be uh, fairly good. All right, that'll do it. If I see anything else uh, that piques my interest, I'll throw it out there on Twitter. I hope everyone is enjoying the restart of golf. We've got four tournaments in. We've hit an an outright, uh, a Sunday outright, a couple of first-round leaders, a couple of nice weeks on DraftKings. So we are really chugging along here. Um, the head-to-heads have been off the charts. I really didn't tweet any out this week because I didn't really see any I loved. And I know a couple people were tweeting at me, sending me DMs, like, are you, are you posting any head-to-head matchups today? And I'll be honest, there weren't a ton of guys paired together this weekend that I felt strongly about one or the other really winning their matchup. So I didn't want to just send out and tweet out head-to-heads just for the sake of doing it. Um, I'm only really going to do that <clears throat> if I see uh, a day where there are, um, you know, ones that really stick out to me. So I didn't even really bet a ton this week because I didn't love too many of the numbers. Um, but we'll, we'll keep keep trying to get those out to you if I see ones that Pique my interest. Good luck in your Workday Charity Open PGA DFS contests. You are listening to The Riding, NFL DFS podcast with Pat James.